This is a podcast from the Business Times. Singaporeans love investing in property, even with property prices on the rise. This aspiration continues unabated despite rising inflation and the economy staring down the barrel of recession as well. However, real estate's always been an expensive endeavor, so unless you're Mr. or Ms. Moneybags, it kind of feels unattainable. Then there's an unfamiliar market or territory to contend with if you're looking outside of Singapore, regulations to adhere to, managing the property, and so on. So is there a way to get a foothold in the property investment market without breaking the bank? And is it even worthwhile to invest now? Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by The Business Times, where we explore useful financial tips to help you on your money-managing and wealth-growing journey. I'm your host, Howie Lin. And joining us today is Keith Ong, co-founder and CEO of Real Vantage. Happy to have you, Keith. Hey, hi, Hobby. Thanks for having me today. Let's start with the property investing report card for 2022. How did the property market fare? Well, the Singapore real estate market has fared really well from an investment perspective. Looking at the uh, third quarter's numbers, it has jumped by 6.9 billion in transactions, largely filled by offers and mixed-use developments. Despite the negative sentiments that's coming out right now, investment volumes to date has been 26 billion, which is 97% of 2021's full year volume. We read about developers continuing to acquire land, large institutional investors buying commercial and industrial properties. But let's look at outbound investments from Singapore as well. They were equally strong. Developers, fund managers acquired commercial assets in Japan, Australia, the US. And to date, we're looking at transaction volumes in excess of $25 billion. We're all aware the Singapore housing market has fed tremendously well in 2022. House prices just in third quarter has accelerated close to 4%. On the rental front, we hear of lender properties jumping by almost 11% in one quarter. And condominium rents have also jumped by 8%. So with soaring rents and capital values, this naturally has attracted a lot of home buyers and investors. However, you know, investor sentiments have turned pretty cautious this quarter amidst obviously faster than expected rate hikes, impending recession, geopolitical uncertainties. But overall, it's been a pretty good year for investments in 2022. Yeah, not surprising, despite all those things. Mm. Singaporeans love investing in property. Thing is, like we mentioned, if you're not rolling in it, <laughs> it feels challenging to get into the property investing market. True. But the advent of fractional investing and real estate tokenization seems to have lowered that barrier to entry. What's the difference between the two, though? Okay, let me start by defining fractional real estate investing. Simply means you own a fraction of the property rather than having sole ownership. That means you are not entitled to 100% of the income or the capital value appreciation, but instead you share with the rest of the other shareholders. It enables a wider pool of investors to participate in a property investment. If you think about it, institutional investors such as pension funds, sovereign funds, family offices, they usually invest in real estate in a fractional manner. So when you hear of, like, let's say, a large building being transacted, there are actually many investors behind the deal. Or maybe the fund that bought it, there could be many investors behind the fund. Recently, we hear a lot about tokenization. Tokenization is simply another form of fractional property investing. The traditional ways in which we do it is called a private equity real estate. So tokenization is, is just another form. So with private equity, real estate investors essentially buy shares of a company that invest in the properties that the company invests in. In tokenization, a blockchain or what we call a distributed ledger is the backbone of the tokenized real estate. 
So the blockchain itself facilitates the digital fractional ownership. With blockchain, there are a lot of benefits behind it. There's a secure transaction records, a swift settlement processes as well. So real estate deals made under such arrangement are usually either specialized digital tokens or established cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin. And these are called the transaction currencies. So put it simply, tokenization is just a form of fractional property investing. The fractional property investing is simply breaking up the property into smaller bite-sized pieces for people to invest in. Yeah, you've talked a lot about institutional investors. Yeah. Which is a better form of investing in real estate for the retail investor though? Right. So in my opinion, I think fractional property investing is definitely the way to go for retail investors. The reasons are pretty simple. Number one, you get access to what we call institutional quality assets. You can afford a much higher quality investment property. For example, instead of investing all your capital in, let's say, a residential apartment, you might take some of that money and invest in uh, fractional investments in commercial assets, uh, such as industrial property or a successful shopping center. So most single investors, uh, they can't afford an investment in something so large. So fractional ownership makes it easy for everyday investors to take advantage of that. I think secondly, investors would also be able to build a pretty diversified real estate investment portfolio. So when you invest in smaller amounts of money in multiple properties, you can diversify your portfolio. So when you diversify, essentially it means you avoid putting all your eggs into one basket. For example, instead of investing all your money in one property, say a residential real estate, you could split up your investments and invest in multiple types of properties. You can cut across different types and across different locations as well. You could invest in properties in US, UK, Australia. Third thing, very simply, you don't need to break the bank right, to get exposure to direct real estate. Much lower barriers of entry. Some fractional platforms out there do it as uh, little as $5,000 to start investing. And I think fourth thing for retail investors, it's a pretty hassle-free way of investing in real estate. Those who have owned real estate on their own directly do understand the challenges involved, uh, especially when you invest in an offshore property. You have to deal with the property manager. You have to deal with the local tax and regulations. So all these things does take quite a lot of time. So uh, when you invest in a fractional ownership, you leave it to the real estate fund manager and you take away all the asset management issues. Keith, from a layperson's perspective, though, it sounds quite similar to REITs. <laughs> sure, when you yeah. buy into REITs, you don't own anything, but sometimes that's less risky, mm. right? My exposure is still limited. Sure. I can still diversify, yeah. etc. That's a very good question. Yes, it's a fantastic instrument and uh, there's a lot of interest and following in Singapore. But REITs does have a certain pitfalls. It is very tied to the capital markets movement. So when the stock market falls, your REITs prices do fall in tandem as well. So there's this exposure to capital markets movement. Secondly, REITs itself, you don't really get to pick and choose what you want to invest in. You invest into a portfolio of assets decided by the REIT manager. Whereas for fractional real estate investing, you actually get to choose property that you want to invest in. So you know exactly where your money is going into, the investment period, how long you're going to hold it for, the projected returns. So for fractional real estate investing, you do get to enjoy, apart from the yield that comes out along the way, you also get to enjoy the capital value appreciation that comes with property investing. It's similar to a direct real estate investing where you buy one property of your own, you enjoy the rental income as well as the capital value upside. Still to come, are there huge profits to be made with fractional property investing? And what's the outlook going forward? 
The Business Times' future of finance is focused on the digital economy. Taking a closer look at topics around acceleration of digital forms of banking, both retail and wholesale. A digital bank builds everything from the ground up, working closely with the clients, solves real client problems, and brings to the client a delightful experience. The Business Times' Future of Finance podcast, episode 4, out on Thursday, January 5, 2023. We'll be speaking with Dwepayan Sadhu, CEO of Trust Bank on the difference between traditional and digital banks and address some of these myths surrounding these differences. We look forward to sharing more information with you about digitalization and transformation in the financial sector on the Business Times' Future of Finance. Look for the latest episode on Thursday, January 5 to hear more. And now, back to Money Hacks from the Business Times. Okay, then in fractional property investing, what are the pitfalls we yeah. should look out for? Yeah. Fractional property investing in Singapore and around the region is not new. We've heard of it many times over the years. It's important when you do invest in a fractional property platform. Do bear in mind, it's a regulated activity. It has to be licensed. So in Singapore's context, the firm has to be licensed by MES. Another common pitfall is these fractional platforms tend to make it like a marketplace to just put up deals, let the buyer beware or let the investor beware. I think that's not really the right way to go. It's important to go with a platform that shows track record. You need to look at the team behind the platform, a team of professionals to properly assess the deals, do proper due diligence on the deal, and also manage your investment. So these are important things to look out for. Essentially, real estate, don't forget, is a long-term investment. It's not a one-year investment. It's not a six-month investment. So you want to put your investment into safe hands. One other pitfall to be cognizant about is be very clear about the asset ownership structure, especially when you invest in a pool scheme like this. What exactly do you own? And the investment structure has to be transparently laid out. The disclosure on the ownership structure has to be stated upfront. Whether the company that you are investing in has a SPV that's holding the investment, a clean SPV, there's no other assets inside there except that particular property. So these are the important things. So the asset ownership structure, it's very important. Here's the thing, Keith. Some time ago, I spoke to a fractional art investing proponent couldn't solve the, I want the whole thing, who cares about just owning one of Mona Lisa's eyes, feels slightly similar to fractional property investing. I mean, the aspirational aspect, the bragging rights are important too, no? Honestly, I don't see why not. Right? So in the world of commercial real estate investing, talking about investing in a property that could potentially cost anything from tens of millions of dollars to hundreds of millions of dollars, I don't see why you can't brag that you own a stick in the multi-million dollar property. <laughs> But when it comes to investment, especially real estate, it's wise not to get too sentimental about the asset. At some point, you have to sell the asset and realize again. Because in property, the bulk of the gain comes when you sell the asset. So I think the real bragging racks, to be honest, my view, would be when you actually bag a very decent profit from your investments. Not just because you own it. After all, that's the purpose of any investment. <laughs> so you say huge profits. How certain are investors of returns when investing in property this way? Real estate investing does carry risks as well, like any other investments. So when you go into real estate investing, it's important fundamentally to understand the risks and whether you are able to accept the risks. If you were to invest in an existing property, you're buying a grade A office in the heart of the CBD. It's fully tenanted, gives a good rental income. That, in our view, is relatively low risk. We call it a core asset. Whereas 
take it on the extreme, a development deal, a joint venture with a developer to build 200 apartment. So when you take on the project, there's fair amount of risk involved, planning risks, getting the relevant permits in place, construction risks. If that's all we hear now, construction costs has gone up a lot and uh, everything is done on time. Finally, if you're doing a residential development, you have to grapple with market risk. The risk involved in selling the assets as well. So important, an investor has to understand the level of risk that's willing to take. Obviously, the risk has to commensurate the return. If I'm to do a development project, I'm looking at an annual return of 20 plus percent. If I do an income producing asset, fully stabilized, I'm willing to accept maybe 7 to 9 percent. So in any investment, there's nothing guaranteed, but it's important to understand the risk involved and the potential returns. All seems to be on the up and up for property, right? Which sectors should we really look into in 2023, Keith, and why? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to be cautious. 2023, we all hear of the heightened interest rates environment that is impending recessions in a number of countries, geopolitical uncertainties. That's it. We do find there's still some investment bright spots that one can consider. For example, medical office buildings, senior housing, student accommodations, data centers. The medical office building has been going strong over the years, primarily driven by aging population in many countries with the growing need for specialized medical services as far as more advanced medical technology. Demand is likely to continue and stay firm in the foreseeable future. Senior housing of senior communities. This has also been going pretty strong, owing to obviously the aging population worldwide. Now, many of these communities have now built with very solid Amenities like recreational centers, clubhouse, it comes with an array of activities and services, as well as medical and nursing facilities. So this enables a senior to live under dedicated care. Student accommodations, purpose-built student accommodations, have been in high demand in countries like US and UK and Australia due to limited housing supply and uh, living costs faced by local students. In Australia, this sector itself, we're looking at a robust uh, rental growth of close to 20% per annum. Very positive is data centers. Demand for data centers have been driven by the growth of uh, hyperscalers, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, which have all thrived under the transition to cloud services. So outlook for these uh, sectors, we feel, remains strong on the longer term. And the global uh, data center market is projected to jump by 10% per annum from now all the way until 2030. So these are the few sectors that we think are pretty positive going forward. We've been discussing the pros and cons of fractional property investing with Keith Ong, co-founder and CEO of Real Vantage. Thanks, Keith. Thanks so much, Howie, for having me. It's a pleasure. And that's a wrap for this episode of Money Hacks. I'm Howie Lim. Till next time. That was a podcast from the Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast or, via the Google Voice Assistant Amazon-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3 you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.